Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Brother Kylie reminded me that uh, at 10 tail we're through. And I respect that. I was, on, I was in radio for a lot of years, even prior to getting into the ministry. And then after the ministry, I was in radio uh, and television. I wanted to hide my face before I said that in case there's somebody in here who would like to stone me. And when, when you're in radio and television, you have to, you're set not on minutes, you're set on seconds. Because every second, I don't know if you know it or not, but a Super Bowl commercial cost sometimes five to $10 million for a 30 second spot. So you're in seconds. The radio station that I, the first one I, I ever was at was the largest in a lot of the South, Southeast. And so we had to be done precisely at such and such time. So I learned, and then when I first began back in the uh, 70s to minister on the radio, it was the same effect. You had to, you had to be done. If it was at 10 o'clock, at 10 o'clock, they cut you off. And I never wanted to be cut off because that just didn't seem. So I learned, I learned how to speak in, within the time frame. Now, you might say, well, you've never done that here. Yes, I have. (laughs) He never tells me I have a time frame. He says, take your liberty. Don't ever tell me to take my liberty. Good grief. I I know that we have been talking. I have been the last couple of weeks in several different places now. We talked about the rapture and Pastor Kylie and I talked about that. And really when you talk about the, the rapture, you're always talking about the rapture. I don't know how you can, how you can ever walk up to a podium and, and not be talking about the rapture at some point in time because it's part of every service that we're in. We are all in a preparation mode. And if you're not in a preparation mode, perhaps after today, you'll get into one because we have watched the signs of the time enough to know that things are are moving rather quickly. I, I, listen, I was listening to him talk about the instruments a while ago, and I was much like that too. I, I never could play anything. I remember back in the 60s, I was new to the Lord, and the pastor said, I want everybody tonight, come back this tonight, Sunday night. He said, we're going to have a great service here. And he said, if you play anything, I want you to bring it. And uh, I went to him after service, and I said, should I bring my radio? Because I can't play anything. And, and I can't sing. He said, no, don't bring your radio. Just come and be here. So I did. And I, I've always thought that when I go to church, and, and I don't just go to church when I'm preaching. I go to church when I'm not preaching. I rarely, rarely, rarely ever miss a service of any kind. I, I can remember that... Uh, I'd been out on a, a long trip and I got home and believe it or not, they say that if you preach, 
and you preach for 45 minutes to an hour, it's like working an eight-hour job. It's like spending eight hours of your energy. It, it takes that much out of you, and sometimes it takes much more. And as he well knows, and some of you others do too, I, I can remember nights when I left a service that I would have to have a change of clothes, a lot of nights, because I would be, my socks, I have rang my socks out because I was so, uh, so into that, you know, you're giving. And so it, it's a job to be sometimes a preacher. And, but I've always loved doing this. And I got home one night, I was so tired, I drove in. It was like 6.30 when I arrived at home after being gone for weeks. And I was so tired that I had to stop a couple of times, just pull over and kind of nod. I was so tired. And I walked into the house and everybody had already gone. They were gone to church. It was a Wednesday. And I went and, man, I thought, I, I need to find somewhere where I can just let this old body fall down. And all at once, it's like, it's like the presence of the Lord was in the room and that he spoke to me and said, can't you give me just a little more? And I got up to 25 minute drive to the church and I drove all the way to church, knew I would be late and twice in the route to church, this is a true story, I pulled off on the side of the road on the way to church and fell asleep. So when I got to the church, I walked in and my wife's in there, she didn't even know I was home. I walked in and they were dismissing. And I went over and sat by her and I'm there for 90 seconds. But I heard this voice again that said, you showed me that you would come even in that condition. Sometimes it's not what's going to happen to you when you're there. It's what takes place during the journey. And your willingness to give determines the caliber of person that you are. And I don't mean money. I'm talking about everything. Remember, you should never categorize Anything it can be given, whether it's time, whether it's effort, whether it's money, prop, I don't care. You should never try to categorize it. Everything that you own and everything that you are able to do, you should be willing to do it to the best of your ability for the kingdom of God. That is the preparation mode. That's the preparation mode. Not listening to prophecy tapes and saying, boy, I ordered all those tapes and I'm going to spend an hour a day listening to prophecy. No, you should spend an hour a day preparing for prophecy. That's, that's what preparation mode is. There is going to be a rapture. It is going to take place. I can't tell you when. I'm going to tell you in the 11 o'clock service when the rapture is going to take place. And, and then, so that should inspire you to come back in here. I'm going to give you the precise time that Jesus is coming. See, you laughed. I, I'm, I'm serious. In the 11 o'clock service, I'm going to tell you when Jesus is coming. I want to read something to you that is, is it, it, it pertains to our country, but it really, you could, you could take and read the same thing for the church. I, I, use, I read this. I've been doing this, this particular thing because about 25 years ago, I discovered it while I was studying, and it happened in 1838, but it, it inspired me to the point that I've used it multiple times over the years. And in fact, last year, we did a minister's dinner. And uh, at that dinner, I, I read this, and it's very short, but I, I read this to the, the people that had gathered there. And I'm going to read it to you this morning. So for the next few minutes, we'll be done at 10 till. Does that make you happy? Because they gave me a time frame. I can work within that. This speech was, was brought out 
actually, it was in St. Louis and it was brought out by the burning of a black man. He, uh, he had just been caught really doing nothing, but the mob burned him alive. And there was a young man that had, had seen this mob do this and it inspired him. He had a political uh, future in front of him and he had no idea, of course, at that time where he was going. It simply moved him to give this speech and he was at the Council of Lyceum and when he gave the speech, it was a direct result of what he had witnessed in the burning of that black man. And so I'm going to read just a portion of this speech that I think is applicable to us. In the great journal of things happening under the sun, we the American people find our account running. Under date of the 19th century of the Christian era, we find ourselves in the peaceful possession of the fairest portion of the earth as regards to extent of territory, fertility of soil, and salubrity of climate. We find ourselves under the government of a system of political institutions conducing more essentially to the ends of civil and religious liberty than any of which the history of former times tells us. We, when mounting the stage of existence, found ourselves in the legal inheritors of these fundamental blessings. We toiled not in the acquirement of or establishment of them. They are a legacy bequeathed us by a once hardy, brave, and patriotic, patriotic, but now lamented and departed race of ancestors. Theirs was the task, and nobly they performed it, to possess themselves and through themselves us of this godly land and to uprear upon its hills and its valleys a political edifice of liberty and equal rights. Tis ours only to transmit these. The former, unprofaned by the foot of an invader, the latter, undecayed by the lapse of time and untorn by usurpation. To the latest generation, that fate shall permit the world to know the task of gratitude to our fathers Justice to ourselves, duty to posterity, and love for our species in general all imperatively require us faithfully to perform. How then shall we perform it? At what point shall we expect the approach of danger? This is a young United States. At what point shall we expect the approach of danger? By what means shall we fortify against it? Shall we expect some transatlantic military giant to step the ocean and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa combined, with all the treasure of the earth, our own accepted, in their military war chest, and with a Napoleon Bonaparte for a commander, could not by force take a drink from the Ohio River or make a track on the Blue Ridge in a trial of a thousand years. At what point then is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it ever reach us, it must spring up amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, 
We must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. Abraham Lincoln was 28 years old when he gave that speech. And of course, we know the rest of history. That could so very well be put into the church. The United States in its early years, while it went unsaid, was already the most powerful country in the world. And it was because of of two reasons. Number one was God. And number two, we chased after truth. America was great because America was good. And when America ceased to be good, she lost her greatness. That's why we're not the highest ranked nation in education anymore. That's why we're not the highest ranked nation in healthcare anymore. That's why we don't have the the best hospital system. That's why we don't have this, that, and the other. We have begun to fall down. Why? Because we lost our goodness. Instead of chasing liberty and justice and freedom and peace, we started chasing after pleasure and entertainment. And and we sought to make our world a place where we could exploit image and, and do things of that nature. And we lost what we really were. We lost our identity. The church can be put in that same category. You see, the church in its inception, Jesus made it very clear prophetically that the church would be the greatest instrument that the world had ever witnessed. And he said it would be greater than any other power on earth. So when he's distributing these keys of power to the apostle Peter and and telling them that upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell, that means the gates of the system. No system can prevail against the church. None. You say, but they have the power to kill us. They have the power to kill the body. They can't touch the soul. And the church is an instrument of the soul. It's a spiritual It's an ecclesia. It's a called out group of people. Now, what does that have to do with the rapture? Because the rapture is a word not found in the Bible. It simply means the catching away of or to be caught up with. It means that there is a group of people, these people that Jesus described in the book of Matthew, that the gates of hell could not prevail against them. This is the people that Jesus Christ will return to take out of this world in what we call the rapture. So preparation is everything. And that's what I'm going to, over the next few minutes, remind you of in preparation. If we could ever grasp the power that he has invested in us and why he invested it in us. He didn't give us the things we have so that we can say, look what I did or look what I have accomplished. A lot of you have ridden the elevator to the top. And where you made your mistake was you left the elevator on the top floor instead of sending it back down to pick somebody else up. And that's a mistake. We, we are nothing in and of ourselves. But through Christ, I can do all things. And Jesus, Jesus never, never forces anything on us. Everything's voluntary. Everything's free will. You, you do what you're going to do because you want to do it. You don't have to do it. And he's not going to make you do it. You have to make a conscious choice. This is what I want to do. But I want to tell you, if you have anything, if you possess anything, any quality, where Steve Kiley goes, he gone. If you possess any ability to, to, to play, to sing, do anything, God gave you that. 
That's not anything you did on your own. Uh, well, I, you know, I, got, I heard a guy tell me one day, man, he had done this. I was in a business meeting. This had been 40 years ago. And he was telling, oh, he was giving his testimony. I did this, I did that, and, and I've done, and all at once, I was a young man, but God spoke to me and said, this man did nothing. I allowed him to do everything that he's done and he's taking credit for it. He's getting all the glory for it. And sometimes we try to pretend we're not, but we are because we want the world to look at us and see our success and, and think that we did something on our own. So this man said he had education. That's why he did it. Well, how'd you get education? You had to have the ability to go. What if you'd have been like Helen Keller, blind, blind and deaf? What, what would you do then? You see, she was limited, very limited, I would say. In fact, that is the most limited you could be because your ability to learn it is so, it, it, it's so small. And yet, we say, we did. Well, who gave you the ability to see? Who, who let you hear? Everything that you are, God allowed that. Nothing belongs to you. You didn't do anything. He did it all. And he lets you enjoy it, lets you partake in it. And when you forget where it came from, that's when the problems begin. God didn't give you the ability to speak so that you could use it to, to go out and, and give pumped up meetings to make money on it. God didn't give you the ability to sing so you could become a, a, a performer somewhere and make millions of dollars. And that has happened. Point in question. Some of you may remember the Rambos. Dottie Rambo was part of the United Pentecostal Church Organization. Her and her husband were both licensed ministers. They were the top draw at camp meetings all over America in the early 60s. If you had the Rambos, you had the top of the line. And Dottie, I remember, I was a young minister. Dottie and Buck, that was her husband, they came and said, we want to sing on television. And the United Pentecostal Church said, well, we have, they've since removed that. They said, we have something in our bylaws that says you cannot even own a television, much less go and be on it. And they bickered back and forth and eventually Dottie and Buck decided to do it their way, left the United Pentecostal Church, wound up in a divorce, they looked like, pardon the term, I mean, she's dead. Yes, and I'm not in any way, you know, condemning her, but her entire lifestyle changed. She wound up in affairs. There was drugs. Her daughter got involved in it, Reba, and, and it was just a mess. I had a multimillionaire pastor that asked me, I, I, he was in Beverly Hills, California, and he'd asked me to come out and speak for him, and I knew him, and I went out several times, and every time I'd come, we'd go to his 15,000 square foot mansion overlooking, overlooking uh, uh, Beverly Hills. He had, uh, he had a, a parking garage underneath his home. He had maids and servants, and, and he had two full-time chefs. His house, I can't even begin to describe it, he had a deck the size of a tennis court. He had one of those pools that they call it an infinity pool. It looks like it just goes off the edge. And, and I mean, he had everything. He had Mercedes, two or three of them parked down underneath the house. There was an elevator from the parking garage that went up into the house. And he pastored a church. 
And so first time I was ever there, he said, you don't like the way I live, do you? I said, look, man, you asked me to come preach. That's what I'm going to do. He said, you're going to preach against me? I said, oh, no, get you a ringside seat and watch. We'll find out. And so we, as, as time went by, I came back. He kept asking me to come back. And I did. And one day it came to a head, Robin, and he says to me, he says, you don't like what I'm doing, do you? And I said, it's up to you, man. It's between you and God. He said, well, all these people would be unemployed if anything happened to me. That's what he told me. And I said, did it ever occur to you one time finally, you know, I'm normally I'm real, you know, shy, but I, I allowed it to. I said to him, I said, did it ever occur to you that maybe God don't want you doing this? And after that, our relationship was, and about two years ago, I heard he had, they had closed the church. He'd lost his business, went bankrupt. The whole world caved in on him. I'm going to tell you, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'd rather do this than be the president of the United States. There is nothing quite like this. Do you under, understand the magnitude the magnitude of what you possess. I mean, most of you in here are born again Christians. Do you, do you have any idea what you possess? You have the power within you to lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. You have the power within you to raise the dead. If, if, a, if the medical industry could capture that power, do you have any idea what they would do? But the reason they can't is because they would take all the glory for it. They would want all the credit for it. They'd want their name in lights. And God says, I'm going to bestow my power and my glory upon people that I can trust with it. Humble people that will walk the walk and talk the talk. Humble people that will never take possession of anything, but will be free and willing to give everything. People that are preparing to leave. Your whole stay on earth is nothing more than a dressing room. You're here to prepare for what's about to come. And we're closer now than we've ever been. I don't know what other signs can be fulfilled. But I want to, I want to ask you these. I've got about 10 questions here. I'm not going to elaborate on them. I'm simply going to ask you if you would do this. You that have come today. Because when this rapture takes place, it's going to happen so quick, there, there won't be any time. You're not going to get a 72-hour notice. And there's no rewind on the tape. So you need to ask yourself these questions today. If I have despitefully used you or persecuted you, then I ask your forgiveness. You have to be willing to do these things. If I have acted as your enemy, then please accept my friendship. If I have cursed you, please forgive me. If I have manifested hate toward you, please accept my love. If I have offended you, then I covet your prayers. If I am more liberal than you, then I covet your prayers. If I am more conservative than you, then I covet your prayers. If I have taken something from you, then please tell me so I might restore that which I have taken. If I have ignored you, please forgive me. If with my tongue I have insulted you, please forgive me. 
Help me, God, not to forsake the assembly. And on that last note, the scripture says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. If you want to understand the importance of gathering here in this building, and it's a building, that's all it is. If you want to understand the importance of gathering into this building, then don't just read Hebrews 10, 25, 26. Study it. Because the Bible said study to show yourself approved. Approved. you got to get approval. Study so you can get an approval. You understand that? Study so you can get an approval. Workmen unto God rightly dividing the word of truth. So the hope, it's a study process. We're back to that preparation. We're on time too. We're back to that preparation. Getting ready for what's going to happen. So I have to study to show myself approved. A workman unto God that will understand how to rightfully divide the word of truth. That's all. Nothing else. Not so I can be successful in business. Not so that I can get a degree. But just so I can get the approval of God to be a Christian. That word forsaking actually means Don't abandon the meetings that you're having. And these meetings were designed, and this is why Paul was even writing to the the Hebrews. He was saying, you cannot forsake the assembly because when you come here, and he, he outlines this in 25 and 26, you're coming to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to to let your weakness be taken up in their strength, to let their strength become your, your strength so that you can encourage one another to serve the Lord. And then in the very next verse, to make it even more powerful about coming to the house of God, coming to serve, coming to pray, coming to work, coming to congregate. He says, if you don't do this, this is how he says it, for if we sin willfully. Next verse. After telling you not to forsake the assembly, he says, because if you sin willfully, I mean, that sounds to me like he's saying, well, if you don't come, if you abandon these meetings, You are willfully sinning. These meetings, contrary to what you may think and what Benny Hinn and and Osteen may be telling you, because they're liars, just so you know, they're liars. Benny Hinn is a liar. Joel Osteen is a liar. And there's a multitude of others. And, And I know that's probably a little graphic. But, you know, if I lie to you, you don't mind calling me a liar. These guys are lying on a daily basis. When the man's wife gets up there and says, you know, you're not doing this for God. You're doing it for you. Boy, brain dead. Why would I want to do these things? Why would, why would this be important to me? Matthew 5.45 gives us the answer that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. That's why you do it. Being a child of God is not a one-time experience. It's not showing up for what you want to show up for. Being a child of God is a total commitment, a total dedication of everything you possess, everything you own, every ability that you have. It's saying, God, I put it into your hands. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die to get there. And except a corn of wheat die and fall to the ground and die, you, you can't never be anything for God. You have to give it all to him. Here's my time, God. Here's my effort. Here's my, I got a mind. I'm sharp. I'm an intellectual. Give it to God so it can be used for his glory and for his honor. 
Because if you don't, you're using it for your glory and your honor, and you have no relationship with God. It's that simple. There's no gray area there. You either are in or out, on or off, hot or cold, period. There is no place for mediocrity. There is no place for being in the middle. There's no place for the lukewarm. And now as all of this comes to consummation, that's what's going to determine when we stand before God. That's what's going to determine if we're going to be part of it. Well done, my good and faithful. My good, good, good. You understand? Good. My good and faithful servant. Enter in. The other voice, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But Lord, hold on. Hold on, God. He's got, he's got about 50 seconds to tell him this. Hold on. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. They said, wait a minute. We prophesied in your name. Man, we spoke with tongues. We did it all in your name. He said, I don't know you. Because while you thought you were doing good based on your own intellect, based on your own ideas, you've, uh, you failed to see what it said in my word. Because I gave you explicit instructions on how to be what you need to be for this great event. And there is no other way. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death. This is the right way. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.